Hello and welcome to the exam hall. This is the podcast where I sit down with a guest and we answer questions from what is known as the hardest exam in the world, the All Souls College Oxford Fellowship Exam. My name is Cherry. I am an ex-education professional, soon to be uni student, and I am having stir fry for dinner, baby. If you are a returning guest, welcome back. Thanks for returning. I'm glad I haven't scared you off. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, then let me clue you in on what's going on. All Souls College Oxford is maybe the most prestigious and exclusive academic institution in the world. Awarding only two fellowships per year, each applicant must sit four three-hour exams two specialist papers and two general papers, which is where we will be drawing our questions from today. If you are one of the lucky two selected, you are given ample funding and opportunity for a seven-year period to complete any research project of your choice. To be eligible to apply, you must already have a degree from Oxford or be currently studying there at postgraduate level. However, here, At the exam hall, we have no eligibility criteria. Everybody is welcome. Everybody is equal. So without further ado, let me welcome my guest for today's episode. It is the one and only Kate McNally. Hello. How you doing, Kate? Um, I woke up at noon. Um, I I, uh, got on a bus. And I ended up here. A lot of traffic, though, for today. It, I think it's a strike day, so... Oh, that's what it might have been. Yeah. I, I was like, why are there loads of kids out and about today? Yeah. Why, 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 why are these school children not in school? There Get were a lot of school, school. Get kids back in school. I don't want to be seeing any children anywhere. Get them out of my face. Get them out. Get them out of here. Get them out of here. And, <laughs> and now I have three beverages. Well, now I'm down to... I'm down to two beverages, but no, I had three beverages. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of living the life. Can you give us a beverage check? Can you take yes. us through those beverages? So uh, the theory is you need three beverages. Um, one for energy. Energy. One for fun. Fun. And one for hydration. Hydration. Today, our energy is a Jimmy's canned coffee, original, um, with actual milk, which maybe wasn't the best idea. Ooh. Not lactose intolerant, but we're trying to not drink milk. Mm. And I have a lovely glass of water that was provided by cherry you're welcome and then and that was for hydration and then for fun we have an aloe vera drink with real aloe pieces which i love this because it comes with a snack in the drink if you're listening please um call into the show and tell us what beverages you are currently consuming consuming it's like uh, the the youtube videos this is going to be a long one so grab yourself a snack (laughs) and a cup of tea and get ready it's going to be a long one folks it's going to be and it's like a 10 minute video (laughs) about how to like make bunting for your your dorm room absolutely Okay, mm. welcome to the exam hall. I'm so glad to have you oh here. Oh my goodness, I'm so nervous. Kate, I don't test well. You don't test well? No. Well, we have a very strict criteria here. That's what I heard. And that criteria is absolutely nothing at all. Oh, the criteria phew. for being here is a pulse. Just as long as you're alive, not so really. You don't accept the undead? I don't accept the undead. No vampires, no. zombies, immortals? Are they dead? If you never die, are you really alive? Oh, 
We're getting into some... We're getting into some... I just want to talk about vampires. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if they've got any questions about vampires in these past questions. We're getting into some philosophical quandaries about the, what it means to be alive. Yeah, uh, so that's not what we're talking let's, about Let's today. move on from this. Let's move on from this. I don't want an existential <laughs> crisis, please. Um, Kate. Yes. Can you tell me mm-hmm. what qualifications you have to be here today? And we are using qualifications in a very liberal sense. Those oh, may yeah. be qualifications... Uh, uh, that you gain traditionally from mm-hmm. a recognized academic institution, or they could be qualifications from the School of Life, baby. Yeah, School of Life. Um, okay, my qualifications are as followed. I am a reformed horse girl. I am an American living in London. Are you uh, an American werewolf living in London? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my wolf sound. That was so bad. Uh, <laughs> and what else? Oh, I had such early access to the internet because I am at that sweet spot of being born in 2000 where I had you know the family computer so there was Mm. no computer like no laptops but then as I got older then we started having you know the laptops in the house and I started watching the adoption of the iPhone and the iPod touches and and now the you know computers that have taken over our world so yeah this kind of uh growing up in this age of when the internet was really kind of, I think, popping off um, and trying to navigate that, kind of had to do that on my own. But yeah, but other than that, I think I was a very responsible <laughs> child. Uh, and do I have any other qualifications? Um, no, I think that's that's about it. Stunning. Thank you. I've Gorgeous. made it this far, so, yeah. you know. I feel like just surviving every day that's qualification qualification enough if you get through the day not being hit by a bus oh yeah that is a qualification in itself well done you the amount of jaywalking i do i'm surprised it hasn't happened yet well today's question comes from 2008 wow it is from no it's not it's from 2018 okay i was gonna be like i was eight but now now i'm 18 no yeah no i'm not eight i'm 20 never mind just ignore me okay (laughs) Today's question uh, comes from 2018. It is from the general paper two. It is question 12. And it is, quote, television is a form of entertainment which permits millions of people to listen to the same joke at the same time and yet remain lonesome. T.S. Eliot. Are social media any better? Hmm. So it's uh, a quote and then a question. Then a question. So the quote automatically makes me think about, you know, the when television was a, um, the spectacle is not the word, that an event, right? Yeah. So a show would come on television and it would only exist at that time, right? Yeah. You have no recording device. You can't record um, the show. You can't record the newscast. You can't record the new episode. And it airs at the same time for all And so it would be this kind of thing where you would all surround the TV, a family, Mm. and watch this show. Yeah. Um, And, or this, you know, I think, I always think of like telethons or whatever. Like you would watch this big spectacle. Yeah. And it would be like watching a play because it's happening in that moment or it's being presented to an audience in that moment, but you're not in a theater with strangers. You're most likely in your home with your family. Mm. Um, And the internet is very similar with this kind of like these moments that are happening right now and you are experiencing it with all these other people 
you're experiencing the um, excitement around a new TV show, which is ironic because we were just talking about TV, mm-hmm. or uh, some big event has happened or a scandal, and you are all um, experiencing this event together, um, more so than I would say if you read it like in a newspaper, because you're all conversing about it, you're putting down comments, you're um, reacting, you're sharing, you are being part of the conversation in your own yeah. way but you are alone in whatever space you are consuming that media in. Mm. You know, you're probably, maybe you bring it up at brunch or at, you know, work because it's a big thing and you're, you know, talking to someone about it. But in the moment when you're consuming that media, consuming that moment, you're most likely alone on your phone, you know, Mm. in bed, cooking something on the loo. Who knows where you, you know, watch your TikToks. But that's what, like, when I hear that question, that's what I start thinking about how it's so interactive and so we're all experiencing a singular moment but at the same time we're not actually with other people yeah yeah this i think this question is really interesting for how it brings together media mm-hmm. at two very different points in time the quotes from t.s Eliot, yeah born in 1888 television in the uk uh, started, I think, 1936 mm. is when broadcasting start in, started in the UK. Let me verify that. Yeah, regular television broadcasts in the United Kingdom started in 1936. Mm. Um, but then it's also bringing in social media as well. Yeah. I can't find exactly when T.S. Eliot sort of said this quote or wrote this quote. Mm. I can't find the exact origin of it. Um, just my brief Googling. I... F- how do we start tackling this question? Because it, it's so meaty in how yeah. it brings all these things together. I'll look at it again. Because I feel like it's so, it is so meaty that I can't like contain all of it. Mm. There's just this one quote. I think what, what initially sort of sticks out to me is like, when this, it's sort of mm. talking about that event you were talking about, yeah. television in its sort of infancy was an event. Everyone watched the same thing at the same time. Yeah. There was a very limited um, you know, very limited selection of things to watch. Um, so, you know, everyone was watching yeah. the same thing at the same time. Everyone was listening to the same joke at the same time. There was no way to record it. There was no way to go back. Yeah, um, it's not going to have a rerun. No. You know. However, nowadays, I feel like there's so much just on the tv yeah let's start just at television just at television there's so much on the tv yeah there's there's so many shows now Mm. that it's kind of like oh what do I prioritize watching or be watching shows becomes a chore Mm. And, and so I'm studying film and I am you know someone that's done acting both on both on stage and um in film and this, this is something that I love, that I really yeah. do enjoy. It's one of my favorite things to talk about, but I have become one of those people that watching or starting a show or even starting a movie is becomes labor. You know, it's like, oh, there's so much to watch. And I think a lot of people mm. have come into that where it's like there's just too much content. And so you don't have kind of this like, and I think you don't have the kind of those event shows anymore. There's just so mm. much to consume, not even thinking about all the content to consume after mm. the fact, after you watch the show. I'd say maybe Succession. 
yeah. had that. And that only had that in its sort of later yeah. seasons. But I think the Succession finale, I don't even watch Succession. And I mm. couldn't avoid it because everyone, everyone was, talking was talking about it. About so it. I think that sort of sense of event was there with that. So I think I think there's a craving for the sense of event. I think mm. we had shows and there was an event to it, right? So there was this like this moment, this excitement of the release of what's happening next. And then, um, obviously enough, with streaming, we started getting the show in all of its entirety. You could binge watch it. You could finish it, right? And you would watch the whole show in a weekend, and then you would go and um, to, like, the water cooler at work and talk about it. Yeah. And that became the event is when this new show dropped, and you had to watch it really quickly. Um, But I think about kind of like Game of Thrones, how everyone watched every episode of that like an event. Um, My whole family would get together and watch it. I was not allowed to. I was considered too young at the time. So I would go sit in a different room (laughs) doing something else and my family would watch the new Game of Thrones episode. But everyone talked about it, right? And I think um, a lot of shows now are actually trying to pull away from the drop the whole season Mm. and are trying to do these weekly releases. It's technically the old way of doing things but one it allows the hype for your show to last longer two it allows for people to analyze and dissect episodes before the next episode Mm. and it allows people to get excited and not overwhelmed by how much content they have to consume um, before they get spoilers right Mm. so you oh I'm only three episodes behind well I can catch up on that and not miss anything so it kind of creates this the one a week episode um creates the community that I think we all felt like we lost with binging yeah absolutely but I mean that's so that's such an interesting point Mm. of view and almost conflicting to what T.S. Eliot says because he's saying television is inherently lonesome because you're not uh he's sort of implying this quote that because we're not in the same room Mm. there isn't that sense of connection so it's interesting this idea that no we're trying we're trying to get back to what T.S. Eliot was saying was so lonesome. Yeah, I guess, because I think he's probably comparing it to the experience of going to the theater or going to see a movie and you're in the space with the people. And I think that is definitely something that is gained from like going to the movie theater and Mm. being with people in the theater and having like, you know, your candy and your snacks and the trailers start and it gets dark and it's great. And being in a theater watching a live performance being surrounded by that energy. A sense of a collective experience. Collective experience. But I think it's, I think with um, social media being kind of being, or the, the way that it's easy to communicate with people now with social media or how we now discuss television mm. when you're at work or when you're with your friends, that has, it's not the same type of experience, but it is a recreation or reconstruction yeah. of trying to create that experience. Yeah. And people have watch parties, right? So with mm. the Game of Thrones, people invited their friends over so they could experience the TV show together. But that's, I guess, for special events. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I mean, I, I don't think um, that there's, you know, I don't think, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that one. <laughs> I was there's something about the it's, lonesome part. I think the lonesome part is so interesting. Why yeah. is it lonesome? Mm. You know, why can't a show, can you watch it and have a very visceral personal experience with a show? Why is that a problem, right? Mm. Maybe it allows you to be able to connect with something more so than you would in public. Yeah. Well, sometimes watching something, whether it be TV or mm-hmm. or film or theater, whatever, yeah. that it brings, I often find it doesn't make me feel so lonely sometimes. Yeah. There's something about seeing 
like your own experience reflected maybe not exactly exactly being able to see certain things in people's other people's stories does make does bring a sense of not uh, it doesn't sometimes it can make you feel not so lonely yeah I mean yeah because when we look at kind of like uh at film like well just photography or we look Mm -hmm. at film and then we look at movies there's always because it's such a new brand new medium right yeah all the other kind of art forms have existed for much longer I mean film is less than a hundred years old it's it's still brand new and we're still you know figuring out all these new ways to deal with it and work with it I'm not even just talking about animation like that's a whole nother uh field but this, we, there's always been kind of fear about it or like it's not as good as other things or mm. it's not as, um, there's always been authors that are like, oh, film is going to destroy this or um, when people start experimenting with film, they're like, well, this is going to ruin film. You're Now you're being like telling stories. You're not showing, you know, reality. That's what a camera's supposed to. So there's always been these kind of like problems with um, film and the, the the changes to film and that kind of thing. And I think one of those things is the fear of, maybe that's where the lonesomeness is coming from, this yeah. fear that this new art form is actually going to destroy something that already exists, this community of um, theater and the movie theater, which I think is not something to, you know, ignore. I think there is this kind of isolation to it and to anything to an extreme is going to be a problem. Yeah. But I think you can't dismiss the... The, the positives, this kind of, you know, being able to be with yourself and watch this art form yeah. or watch this piece, something that could be hindered if you're surrounded by other people for whatever reason. And we're really getting deep into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we sort of um, started tackling the first part of that mm-hmm. uh, question, which is the quote. Yeah. This is what the question is actually asking. It's not asking our opinions on the quote. quote it's asking... Yeah. Is our social media any better? Mm. Yeah. God. So is, is social media really just creating like loneliness or masking it? Is that kind of, that's how I'm kind yeah. of seeing the question. Is it, is it creating mm. the shared experiences? Yeah. Is it just another form of television mm. or is it increasing loneliness? Yeah. And this question is from 2018. So I feel like, this is a very interesting question to have pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic. When, yeah. Sort of when we were mid-pandemic, social media was, you know, the Everything. primary form of communication. Yeah. Where, you know, work was happening over Zoom and Teams mm-hmm. and everything was happening over the medium of the internet pretty yeah. much. And yeah, it's, it's also pre-TikTok. If you think about it, musically was a thing, but oh it God, hadn't yeah. changed to TikTok yet. I think it was 2019 or, yeah, I want to say 2019 yeah. is when TikTok became a thing. Yeah. Which it, or, it, you know, bought out musically and completely kind of shifted how that platform worked, mm. rebranded and became, you know, the, the massive juggernaut that it is. Juggernaut? Juggernaut? Juggernaut. Ju- juggernaut. Juggernaut. I like how you say it better. I'm like, juggernaut. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think, see, social media is interesting because the concept of social media, which I think we all kind of understand now is not the case, is that it's real life, real people, real things that are happening. Whereas we've always accepted that TV, you know, even reality TV, isn't true to life, is kind of this like 
false. It's, it's mm. you know, fake or it's fantasy. So I think with looking at social media, I think it can have more of that danger of like the loneliness because now it is perpetuating this world that maybe you feel like you're not a part of. Yeah, well, a lot of social media, um, TikTokers and Mm -hmm. vloggers and YouTubers, they are very intentionally acting as if they're talking to a friend. Yeah. So they'll be holding the camera in their hand. Yeah. And it's it's like they're, you know, there's, I think there's a lot less of this audience separation mm-hmm. when it comes to the internet. Yeah. Um, and also just in the way, like, this is slightly moving away from the question, but something... You know, stuff like YouTuber conventions and YouTube meetups. There's a lot more of opportunity Mm -hmm. to actually interact with the kind of social media personality Mm -hmm. now. So there's a lot more of an illusion of like, no, you're you're not my fan. The parasocial, parasocial, yeah. There's this parasocial relationship. Exactly. um, Which is a new thing. In theory, you're thinking, okay, so you're creating these like, you know, connections or whatever, maybe you're going to feel less lonely, but I feel like it would make someone feel more lonely. Yeah. Because they're, that person, though they give you um, wonderful, you know, entertainment or wonderful connection, they're making you feel things like when you watch TV, they're physically not able to actually be in this like friendship or relationship with you. So when, you know, it's needed or when it counts, you don't have this relationship with someone to, you know, tell your good news to or get you through these rough times. And I think mm. people do try and reach out. And sometimes you have that where people are like putting very personal things out in the comments. Yeah. And you're kind of uh, caught off, not caught off guard, but you're kind of wondering how would this like social media star respond to that, right? Yeah. So I think like in theory, like, okay, well, you're getting, how would you be lonely if you have this, you know, relationship or this idea that you're connected with this, you know, internet content. But in reality that, connection isn't there for the very human things of sharing your highs and sharing your lows accepting someone else's highs and someone else's lows you know mm. that's what I think you're also see, you're seeing the best of people aren't you yeah you know I mean on moving away from sort of influencer social mm-hmm. media just on social media with your friends just on your like your Instagram yeah your, yeah the you're seeing you know. the best of your friends oh yeah you're seeing your fr- you know you're seeing I mean, the peak of people yeah you're yeah. seeing when they've been done up the the one selfie out of the mm-hmm. 20 50 100 they took yeah they, and I'm guilty of this oh yeah I'm guilty of this isn't I'm not condemning anyone when I say this but you're seeing people yeah. at their best yeah so some so you know you're you're seeing your friends at their best and you're going why am I not yeah you, you know there's a lot of comparison comparison and this kind of like what I was saying earlier this idea of like social media you're seeing the real air quotes the real world you're seeing everything in front of you and so if you feel like your life isn't fitting into what you're seeing then you might feel like you're not in the real world you might feel like you are somehow misplaced and that must feel very lonely you say well you know their clothes are fitting them that way or they have all these friends or are doing these fun things all the time or their career is really taking off or you know they're being so vulnerable um, and open about a hard time and everyone's flooding the comments with support. 
well, that doesn't happen to me. That's not what my life's like. That must feel very isolating, even though you're you know, consuming that content. Yeah. And even though in the back of your brain, you know it's not actually real. Um, and again, like I'm guilty of that, seeing that and feeling like, oh, am I not living in the same world as other people? Uh, but then also thinking, okay, well, this is the 10 seconds that I see in this moment of their life. Yeah, exactly. I'm interested in this idea of like, a collective experience mm-hmm. in social media. And I mean, relating it to TV, st- things like the succession finale, yeah. there was a sense of collective experience yeah. on Twitter, uh, uh, Tumblr, and mm-hmm. uh, TikTok because everyone was talking about everyone. it. Everyone was talking about it and theorizing. Mm-hmm. So there's a sense of, I, in, I didn't even watch the show. And I, know. I was excited. Like, yeah. I was like, oh my God. I hope I hope that rich guy yeah. yells at that rich guy. Yeah. And there's a capacious large bag. <laughs> That's all I know. I watched episode one and all I know, there's a capaciously large bag capacious is it that one yeah yeah that's um that's succession yeah she's got a capaciously large, large bag, bag. <laughs> um but see we don't you we don't, don't watch that show. show and we know that social media has given yeah. this like with memes mm. with you, you know there's, yeah. a, there's a sense of collective experience that if you know if you got like a group of 14 year olds in this room and you mm-hmm. said bombastic side eye they would all go mad because they've all seen the same thing that yeah. all it, bombastic while there's this i think it's so side interesting eye. while there is this sense of like oversaturation and like there's so much on the internet and there's so much on streaming services. There's so much content to get through. Mm. I feel like people are constantly saying, have you seen X? And I'm like, oh no, I'm trying to get through Y. Y, yeah. Um, and then after that, I'm, 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 Z is mm-hmm. then next on my watch list. Like, yeah. There's so much to get through. But at the same time, the internet has so many like collective mm. things. Yeah, so I think there's definitely we were talking about it earlier, this craving for the event. This mm. like, there's definitely people want this um, long lasting community. Yeah. And I think I've seen it a lot in social media where people talk about how memes right now are going a lot faster. And that's with kind of TikTok. Yeah. A meme will pop up and be relevant or a sound will be relevant for a week, maybe three if it's, you know, really doing well. And then you've got like the classics air quote, which lasts a long time. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting to see how shortened the lifespan of a memes become. Because then I think about, okay, what's a long lasting meme that was on TikTok? Berries and cream. That oh, was yeah. there forever, right? That was a long one. But that's not as long as kind of like the um, like the rage faces. Yeah, or those like, sort of those first memes. Those first memes, like the text. Those lasted yeah. forever, and yeah. that's like obviously not necessarily the same as like this community, but it is very similar yeah. into this sense of like this long-lasting joke that people would understand, right? And was kind of considered to be continuously humorous. Yeah. Um. And so the meme lifespan is getting shorter and shorter. So the the community around a joke is getting you, you it, turnaround is faster. Mm. And I think that also happens when we look at the um, events, right? So like something will happen and then everyone will be talking about it for maybe a few days, maybe a week. And you have this community created around it, all these people talking about it. I'm thinking about like the submarine, right? That was everywhere on my, oh my For You pages and now it's gone, right? If so this th- happened like back in 
you know, 2012, we would still be talking about that We would still be internet. talking about it. And it would still be this thing that's like constantly referenced. Like now I see it in meme pages and people already seem tired of the meme, right? Yeah. And so then you, you have this community created and then it crumbles. Yeah. And so then the same thing happens with TV shows. A show is dropped a full season. You have a week to watch it, a week to talk about it. And now we're done because yeah. there's, no, there's no new content there. It's not the longevity is not at the same as when you have it come out once a week. And I think people are craving that. And that's why now these people are changing their like their show. Um, like Stranger Things did it kind of differently. They did it in two parts. Yeah. So you have the first part people could binge watch real fast and then they had all this time to talk and theorize yeah. and see what's happening and then they dropped the next one. And so I think people crave this kind of com- this longevity community and I think that's also why fandoms have stuck around for so long. Yeah. Is because the content might be done, but you've now put yourself into a community that's constantly talking about this thing. Um and why like I think fandom communities are so powerful in kind of you know, or so permeated in internet culture of trying to find community. Mm. I, if I didn't just talk in a circle there. <laughs> I can't, you know, sometimes you, yeah. you know when you talk and you're like, did I say those words in the right <laughs> order? <laughs> I, yeah. The fun thing about podcasting is really uh, listening back to yourself constantly and being like, what was I talking about? What is this? Who did am I? I? Say any words? <laughs> or did I just stare blankly back at them? <laughs> And Morse code blink my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm thinking right now. I'm just like, I know you can't, no one can see me, but you can see me. Yeah. I'm just staring at you. I'm giving secret messages through my eyes. This, yeah, this is really engaging podcast content. Let's just like hold up signs <laughs> at each other. Like we're in that Taylor Swift video. Yeah. Or um, uh, Love Actually, where he has What's wrong? The- <laughs> Tell him it's Christmas carolers. <laughs> I watched that for the first time this year. Blew my mind. Oh, Love Actually. Love Actually, yeah. I just never seen it. And I watched it I know with I've, the family. I know I've watched it. Yeah. I it's truly gone in one in one ear, out, out the, the other. other. I think I watched it when I was quite young. Yeah. So like I always thought Kira Knightley was in it more. Who? Is it Kira Knightley? Oh yeah, Kira Knightley. Yeah. I look quite pretty. I look quite pretty. I think this idea of like a collective experience on the internet have moved there's also this whole thing of like kind of talk like kind mm. of in the same vein as like the ocean gate submersible yeah thing. which is crazy it's, it's called ocean gate in itself it's not a, a play on wa- like Watergate. it's just called actually ocean gate uh, but there's this um sense of a collective experience mm-hmm. which isn't storytelling based yeah. like with television mm-hmm. or even in like reality tv it's mm-hmm. all about the storyline yeah I feel like there's a really interesting thing to be said for like drama on the internet and this want for a collective experience. As T.S. Eliot said, television, millions of people listening to the same joke. Now there's this big thing where like people get so much entertainment and I'm one of these people. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to condemn anyone. I'm one of these people where it's like we get so much entertainment from like influencer drama yeah it's no longer millions of people listening to the same joke that is still happening but it's millions of people watching the same you know plane crash and burn watching the same influencer crash and crash and burn like this idea of like cancel culture yeah and trying to like yeah just watching the you know the fire that is 
uh, a, you know, influencer drama video and then everyone is talking about it and everyone is, you mm-hmm. know, breaking it down and then they start going through their old, you know, content or their old, and you're like watching this yeah. same, same car crash over and over again, but different people. Yeah. Um, and this kind of collective that happens with, again, this event, this thing that is happening. Um, yeah, it's kind of, it's, you know, I mean, I watch, I watch a drama, a video, a breakdown about like, in case you don't know what's going on or like, yeah, let, me, let me, let me tell you all of the details about all the stuff you've been seeing. I know. And like reaction videos. Yeah. Like people watching, um, I think of the, everyone has been reacting to the Miranda Sings, um, apology video yeah. with the ukulele. So for context for people who aren't chronically online, online. <laughs> um, there is a YouTuber who had, um, who was, whose name was Colleen, and she was better known as her alter ego, Miranda Sings. Mm-hmm. And she's a comedian, air quotes. She, yeah. call, she would call herself a comedian. She would label herself as a comedian, yes. Um, she was basically, <laughs> <laughs> she was uh, accused of being in group chats with uh, a lot of fans who were minors at the Mm -hmm. time who were children and just being generally inappropriate with her child fans yes she decided to respond to these very serious allegations with a 10 minute ukulele response yeah with her singing and and i wasn't i was this is a bit of a tangent but Mm. like i i wasn't paying attention to this drama yeah until she until she responded with eight 10 minute ukulele apology video like it's truly insane um but that's sort of like what everyone's talking about everyone's talking about it now and you have all of these people that aren't not aren't just talking about it but are showing themselves react to it yeah so it's like you're watching you know with a friend with a friend like you're watching in the same room yeah and then in the comments everyone's talking about it everyone's discussing it and so it's again you're not in the same room physically but the discussion is uh is there the community is Mm. there and again like we were saying like there's this loneliness that can come with it if that's the only space you exist in Mm. um i think that's it's you know i think a lot of people talk about this is dangerous to we need to be careful with social media you don't want to get too you know sucked yeah. in into the internet you want to make sure you know x y and z you're you know healthily consuming it yes but i think it's important to see that like there are so many communities online there's so much cr- uh, all this there's so much craving for discussion for community for um enjoying the same laugh right mm. and i think I think you see that in, you know, you just look at the comment section of some, I mean, don't look at the comments because you'll find some, you know, crazy stuff in there, but you still have these people like all like talking to each other. Yeah. Social media. It's so social media. Social media. We're on my best David Attenborough voice. Social media. Social media. We see the young millennial on social media. (laughs) It's in the title. It is media Mm -hmm. designed to be social. Social, yeah. Is it? Is it? How, like, can something that Mm -hmm. is designed is supposedly designed to connect people Mm -hmm. and that does connect people yeah how can that be lonesome 
Yeah, I think different social medias work in different ways. So like when I think of Instagram, I think of Instagram as less of a social media in the sense of you're interacting continuously with people. Mm. More more so, I mean directly, more so you are socially sharing content. And in that sense of like I'm posting a picture of myself um, or what I did or what I ate and people are consuming that and people are commenting on that and I do the same thing for them, but we are not directly communicating. Um, I think Twitter, I don't really use Twitter, but I, from what I see, it's more of kind of a speaking out into the void and people interacting with each other, but it's not a continued social reaction. It is co- con- uh, direct, but it feels yeah. less consistent Um, Like a conversation isn't going to continue later on. I see Tumblr as something that's more community-based, right? So people have um, mutuals, I think, are talked about a lot more on Tumblr. And this idea that you have this community, these people that are, you know, um, sharing content, creating friendships um, that are interacted with publicly, but are more direct, um, and then I think of TikTok as kind of like one of those few social medias that are actually meant for you to interact the most with strangers, right? Kind of closer to Twitter, but this idea that you are socially interacting with complete, complete strangers and you are consuming their content, um, but you don't know them. So when you like and when you comment, it's not the same as Instagram. Yeah. But that's also me maybe just like I think getting con, all. Con, con, no, I think you've, you've touched on something. This idea of like interacting with strangers is really mm. interesting. And I feel like in the, like I feel like social medias are trying to, there's a weird thing happening with social media where they're trying, it's, it feels like they're almost trying to move you away from interacting with people that you know. And a lot of what's happened with a lot of social medias is um, they've <laughs> moved away from being like, only the people you follow are in your timeline. Yeah. So on um, Twitter, they now have like the featured tab mm. and it just shows you, th- and that was sort of like the default. And then you yeah. have to go into the for you tab, yeah. which is actually the people you follow. follow. Instagram moved everything away from like uh, chronological things. Mm. And like, it feels like in the algorithms of social media, they're trying to give you more and more. Yeah. Like someone you don't know posting. Someone you don't know. Yeah. And I think, I know people are upset about that with like Instagram. They're like, I want to see the people that I follow. I don't want to see this random post from this random account on my feed. If I want to see that, I'll go to the explore page, you know? But I think then with TikTok, I think people don't necessarily want to see their friends as much. I think they want to see the content that is perfectly curated to them. So TikTok is more so to me like television even though it's real people, mm. then Instagram is to me like television. Instagram to me is, you know, a yearbook, right? And all the yeah. people that I've ever met are there and I can yeah. see them and I can keep up with them. Where TikTok, I'm there to consume content, mm. you know? Like I think Instagram, I'm not, con- I, I mean, I'm consuming content on Instagram, but it's not the same as when you consume content on TikTok. Yeah. TikTok's so sort of um, curated. Oh, yeah, that algorithm knows you better than you know yourself. Yeah. Just crazy. <laughs> you learn a lot about yourself. Have, have you, do you feel like you, when you use social media, have you found community? Have you found, mm. 
this sort of sense of collective or do you find the sense of lonesomeness that T.S. Eliot talks about? Yeah, so I think, like I said, I was on the internet from a young age and I was really into fandom and kind of like what are the shows that I was watching and was the content that people were making Mm. and um, I never created content. I never posted content, um, but I interacted with it. So it was nice to see other people enjoying the same stuff that I liked and getting to interact with that, even though I didn't create anything back. Um, So I was like an outsider in the community. Like I wasn't like, you know, BFFs with someone and we were, you know, trading fan art, but I was still felt a part of that community of people that enjoyed this show, Mm. right? Or enjoyed this media. Um. So that was like one experience with it. But then also you might feel lonely because you don't have that in the outside world, right? You don't have friends that have the same interests as you or you don't have people that are, you know, get the same in-jokes in person. Mm. Um, So that can feel quite, I think, lonely. Yeah. Um, And then I also had a, (laughs) I had a a bout for about a, um, like a few months to almost a year of having some internet friends and they were these people that I met on a discord server um, yep. and there were inside jokes yep. and we chatted all the time and we would you know FaceTime and some of us met up in person and it was really exciting and lovely because I didn't have those connections in person at the time right because I just moved to uh, university when I was in the states it was my first year there yeah. so you know that's a brand new community you're trying to make friends and I stumbled upon creating that community online. So that definitely helped with the real life loneliness I was feeling yeah. being new to university. Um, and then, so, so obviously that was kind of like a counteraction to the real world loneliness, having people to like chat with and joke about and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I think there's definitely community found on the internet. For me, again, it's still, I don't, I'm not a big, you know, creating content for other people to consume but I found myself kind of back in that area of when I was younger of finding the content and being part of the communities on the outside line because I'm not um what's the word that I'm looking for not it's not, not interacting but it's not I'm not providing or something yeah I can't think of the you're word you're not like creating any content yeah I'm not contributing anything right I'm not contributing but I'm still feel a part of the community because someone's like hey in joke and I'm like oh yeah. I get that ha 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 yeah you know um so I think that's like my experience with being on internet community yeah. and kind of being a uh, outside watcher, which I think is like quite interesting being, you know, knowing so much and being so, uh, I get really analytical about it. I find it really fascinating fandom culture, um, but not contributing anything and just kind of being yeah. this like fly on the wall. Yeah. And I think that maybe a lot of people are doing, I don't think everyone that's no. like in a fan community is, you know doing stuff but actively contributing yeah but because I don't see those people because they're not contributing either I feel yeah. like I'm the fly on the wall watching yeah yeah I mean I had a very experience mm. very similar experience with a discord server and like mm-hmm. finding myself in the server and like I, I wasn't as involved in it as other people were but like yeah. I was involved enough that like people would be like hey my 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 screen name screen was cheese name. I went by Cheese. I was known in the server as Cheese. Hey, Cheese. Hey, Cheese. Um, like, so, like... So many fun names on And, Discord. like, I was somewhat known in the server. And like, yeah. So, and, like, that was happening in the pandemic when mm-hmm. my sort of situation was all of my friends had moved to university and I'd started full-time work in a school. Yeah. And, but it was still the pandemic. So yeah. it was, like, I couldn't go out. I couldn't 
I was so I felt so lonely mm. I was just like I couldn't go out and but it, and it was so lovely being yeah. able like going onto the server and we'd have movie nights where yeah, we'd all yeah, watch yeah. a movie in the server you know, like it was we had like talent nights and presentation nights oh I love a presentation night it's, it was amazing it was so much fun and it was like a really interesting community mm. and I suppose the question is is that in an inherently lonely thing because we're not all in the same place. I know some of them were able to meet up because they were yeah. over in Canada. Um, <laughs> fucking Canada. How did you make it. it into a Canadian Discord server? So there was a podcast called Blonde Radio. And okay. There was a server along with the podcast and it just like got mm. really famous. So it was like people all over the world. I mean, I was That's seeing so cool. people in the Philippines, but um, Brad. Yeah, I mean, mine was all over the world. Oh, I was yeah. like, where are you? And they're like, Scotland. And I was like... I'm in America. <laughs> what are uh, you doing over there? <laughs> but like, um, it was started by a guy called Brad. He's absolutely brilliant, and mm. we still we still chat every now and then. He's really great. He was really encouraging with my poetry. Oh. He's just include. He's just um, made him like self published a little poetry book mm-hmm. himself, and he still actually he still makes amazing YouTube videos, yeah. sort of like documentary style conversational videos. So mm-hmm. everyone go. Um, I think Brad Radio is the channel. It used to be called Blonde Radio, and then he. <laughs> Like the Discord server. Let me double check this. Yeah, Brad Radio. Every everyone go and go over to the Brad Radio uh, YouTube channel. Go right now. Go right now. Pause stop li- this. Stop listening to the po- this podcast. Forget about it. Go listen to Brad Radio. Because it's like it was really. In- it was like he just makes really cool videos, and mm. it just sort of a, a server formed around it. And I think yeah. it was, I think it's a really interesting study. Like mm. I think like I think Blonde Radio is a really interesting case study. That's what it was called. Um, that was like merch for the server. It was like uh, a server and a podcast. Cast. That was oh. merch. I bought a jumper. <laughs> but is that an inherently lonely thing? Because the majority of us weren't all meeting up. Yeah. We weren't all in the same room. Yeah. And it, it, a lot of the time it was me alone in my bedroom at like weird hours because yeah. we, uh, you know, he would be stre- he'd be like streaming on t- Twitch mm. at like on Canadian time which would be like one at one o'clock in the morning for me and I'd stay up to watch these streams is that an inherently lonely thing because I'm sat alone in my room with a screen and I wasn't Mm. I was interacting with them but it was you know unless you're on like a voice channel when you're like texting in a chat Mm -hmm. that's not it is a conversation but it's not the same because you're you're curating a response yeah and you're trying to say the thing like you I feel like when you're in a text conversation you have the time to be like I want to sound really cool and interesting and like how do I like carve a response that makes me the most interesting like Mm. like how was that lonely as you know T.S. Eliot says was I yeah says a tv is you know it's inherently lonesome even though you're uh uh listening to the same joke you remain lonesome yeah I think So I think it's for the person to decide. Yeah. I think TSLA can't tell you if you're lonely or not. You know, no, no offense to, to him, but. Sorry, TS. Sorry, TS, but I just move out of the way. <laughs> um, I think if you are in that moment, you know, enjoying yourself and having a nice time experiencing this content and interacting with these people, though it's not the traditional way of communication of being right in front of someone, right? And talking to them. If you don't feel lonely, I don't see a problem with it. I don't see an issue with it. If you mm. um, 
are experiencing that and doing those things and you're like, well, you know, sometimes I do feel lonely. Um, I don't think you need to cut that out of your life. I think then you need to make some choices. Okay, do I need to um, go to, do I need to join societies? Do I need to go to, you know, join a kickball club or, you know, do I need to go and see a movie in a theater? Is that something that's, so I think someone can decide that something is lonesome, but I don't think you necessarily need to be lonely if that makes any sense at all. No, it does. Just this, this like, if you don't feel this feeling, right, even if something is inherently alone, doesn't mean that you are actually alone. You know, I, I, I might be sitting in my room alone, but I am, you know, interacting with people online. Mm. If that's not satisfying enough for me, I know that's not satisfying enough for me. I know I can't just have that. I know I need to have, you know, I need my friends to come over and I want to cook them dinner and I know I want to go on a walk and I know that I want to have chats with my roommate. So I know those are the things that I need, but I don't think that it's inherently a problem to interact with people online or consume that kind of content. Like anything, I think you need to be aware of what makes sense for you and Mm -hmm. makes sense for, um, and in moderation. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've, gone through a, a a doom scroll of tiktok yeah and i'm like oh god i feel like shit right yeah and there was great content nothing bad popped up but i just did that all day um and i go oh, okay so we need to do something more interactive tomorrow yeah um but the 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 con- you know it's i think no one can really i think you have to decide for yourself if you feel lonely yeah maybe someone gets a lot of gratification from interacting in in those chats and talking to those people yeah um yeah. I, I guess it comes down to that like just because you're alone does that make you lonely yeah and for everyone I mean, that's something different for everyone isn't yeah it? and I think that's a hard thing to to uh figure out though yeah I think and, and I think I, I'm because social media is tied to so much of what we do so making this one comment about you know oh, interacting with people online and being in these chats doesn't make you lonely. But also considering what does social media do to the brain, right? And so you're seeing all of this content, seeing all these people doing these things, seeing um, what your life should be. Yes. It can make you feel lonely, right? So there's so many different aspects to social media and the content and the media in general that we consume that one aspect of it does not equal loneliness, but another can cause the feeling of loneliness. Mm. And I think a part of growing up and a part of, you know, really analyzing yourself is saying, okay, am I okay with being alone with myself or do I feel immensely lonely and why is that and working through that on yourself and saying when how do I get to a place where I can be alone but not feel alone Mm. um, and be okay with that Uh, and I think social media can make that harder because you're seeing people with people all the time or seeing people in their 15 seconds there's a sense of like we all have the same 24 hours yeah why aren't you doing something exactly why aren't you as successful as this person Mm -hmm. why aren't you hanging out with like these people are yeah why aren't you doing all of these activities that I told you to do this summer with all of your friends yeah well because I wanted to watch a movie in bed and I wanted to read my book or I wanted to just lay and look out the window because Mm. I needed that for myself yeah and I think growing like I had to learn not to beat myself up for not being out with people all the time yeah you know and being okay with being with myself but then also not letting myself just do that 
So it's this balancing act that I think everyone has to figure out for themselves. And I think that's an, an inherent part of growing up. But I think social media can uh, frazzle it and make it harder to yeah. uh, do that, to, to come to those conclusions, to do that mental work. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Especially when you grow up, you're not surrounded by people as much. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I've seen a lot of people talk about, like, when you're in elementary school uh, or, like, f- uh, your first kind of years of schooling, you are surrounded by your friends all the time. You're yeah. always there. And you probably live in the same town. So they live down the street. And so you're surrounded by these people. University. People talk about how you will never be closer to your friends, live proximity closer to your friends than you do in university because they live down the hall or they live in the same town. Like, you are as close to that. And there's this switch that people feel once they graduate um, that, oh my goodness, my friends live far away now. Yeah. We are not just down the hall from each other. And this kind of fear of my community has always been made for me by the circumstance. And then you're trying to now navigate this world where you have to create the community from the ground up by yourself. And you're like, how do I do that? And people are like, do I go to a bar and talk to people <laughs> and say, do you want to be my friend? Or yeah. do I like join a, again, like an adult, like a uh, sports league or do I do, you know, like trying to like your people on social media are like, I am an adult now. How do I make friends? Cause it's so hard and no one tells you. Cause when you're six, you walk up and you're like, do you want to be my friend? And do you want to play wizards and dragons? And they're like, uh, yeah, I do. Exactly. Easy. Yeah. I walked up to someone in a bar. I was like, do you want to be my best friend? And we'll play wizards and dragons. They probably look at me like I was a dragon. I don't know. If someone walked up to me in a bar <laughs> and said, do you want to be my friend? And do you want to play wizards and, and dragons? dragons? I'd say, hell yeah, baby. Like, I'm a dragon. I'm you a dragon. start running. Running. Get You're like, some what spell- D&D variant is this? <laughs> Get some spells ready, baby. <laughs> so next time, I will run into you in a bar. I say, <laughs> wizards and dragons. Wiz- yes. Yes. If anyone listening to this ever bumps into me at the bar, if you do not start the conversation with... You want to play Wizards and, and Dragons? dragons. <laughs> I, I will be walking away. Oh. So this is great because we're both chronically online. Right, yeah, it's good. We've sort of got this <laughs> connection. <laughs> we're sort of I'm like, glad I'm with a fellow. Like, now I can really get to talk about this I stuff. Was, I like, also spent a lot of time like in fandoms but never contributing. Yeah. Um, so I think I always found the internet kind of like lonely because I was mm. like, I was seeing these fandoms, but I was never like fully contributing to them. And I was like, oh my God, all of these people, we would make such good friends. Good friends. But like, I can't contribute anything. To anything. Them. And there's always like the, like the Tumblr message being like, hey, I love that post you made. Let's be friends. Like, like that was like a yeah. thing on Tumblr of just like walk, air quotes, walking up to someone in their DMs, because it wasn't sliding. It was, like, jaunting over <laughs> and being like, hi, let's be pals. And yeah. it was like, yeah. And, I mean, Tumblr is so interesting for community because you have this these people that made up, like, so the I love your shoelaces, thanks I got from the president. Yeah. Right? That was to spot people in public. Yeah. If they're from Tumblr. Yeah. That was the idea behind it, being like, if I see someone from Tumblr or someone I think you know, I'll say, oh, I like your shoelaces. And the response is, thanks. thanks. I wasn't for the president. Exactly. And so this, it was this need to find each other in the wild and have this real life interaction. Did anyone ever do that? I'm sure people have. I, I had someone, to. not a stranger, but someone say it to me. And I was like, I fully just said, thanks. Oh. And I, and they looked at me and went, did you get that from the president? 
And I was like, oh my God, I was given the perfect opportunity and I didn't take it. <laughs> One, wow. stupid. But then you then you have DashCon, this immense need. <laughs> Your eyes just got so big. That's like a sleeper agent <laughs> sleeper. activation code. <laughs> with, the, with the ball pit. <sighs> so you have DashCon, which was this convention. A bunch of people on Tumblr were like, wouldn't it be so cool if we had a Tumblr convention? Like kind of like VidCon, right? They wanted this convention where you would have panels about like, fandom studies and people would come and talk about fandom and talk about tumblr and these people tried to do it i mean there's really great video essays if you just look up dashcon on youtube you'll find some great content about it like a spectacular flop like it was a huge disaster because the people weren't prepared they didn't know what they were doing and they tried to put a convention on and there was a little bit i think i'm right like a little bit of like shady business yeah but more or less you can see that people were so gung-ho about it that people were willing to take flights to this because they wanted that in-person community despite having it online so maybe that is you know something that we should be taking into consideration is people do have this community and they're maybe not lonely per se but there is this like innate need hunger hunger to meet people in person to have that physical interaction well i think it happens with like subcultures as well yeah because so much of sub because so many like subculture on the internet like there's not this people will like listen to the music and Mm -hmm. wear the clothes because they find it through the internet but they haven't got the sense of community within subcultures Mm -hmm. and they haven't got like that actual sense of what the subculture was about anymore yeah so like people i do think there is a certain there is something lost off not always often when it comes to internet community there is a sense of we're missing something yeah we're missing this in-person interaction and it isn't the organic creation yeah. of community that you get in the real world doesn't really translate yeah yeah because i think this is kind of going not going against everything that i've already said but now i'm like really i don't think that the community that you create on the internet is inherently bad or inherently um, unworthy. But it's interesting to see that there is this want to have a physical manifestation of it and be that going to a convention, right? So like I went to uh, conventions when I was younger. I would go to like Comic-Con and I went to an anime convention and I went with my friends. So I already had like these people that I was going with, but there was something about being in a convention center dressed to the nines yep. better believe it i was cosplaying my i was great it was who, great who did you cosplay as oh i've done a few okay so for my very first one though i went it was for an anime convention so i went as this character called called menma okay from a very very sad anime called aohana hana but there was something about going to this convention and walking up to people saying like, oh, can I take your photo? I love your cosplay. And them coming up to me and wanting a photo of my cosplay and talking to them about the show. And then be like, oh my gosh, I love this show. I'm like, you're the only one that knows it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, going to the artist alley and that kind of thing. And for Comic-Con going to like um, meet new comic artists. And there's something like I was already interacting with all of this on the internet. Granted, I wasn't interacting directly. Mm. So maybe that's my experience is because now I finally had an easy way to directly interact with people. Yeah. And I was now kind of providing content because I was cosplaying. Yes. 
but no, there was definitely, there's something about like the convention sphere and people wanting to be in, in person with people. People spend money to go to a flight, fly to conventions yeah. because they're like, this is the space. This is the place with the people that I can physically interact with. There's that hunger for the real, yeah. real world interaction. And my, my other cosplays just get the, I'm out I of the way. I'm really proud of them. Uh, <laughs> I did a steampunk uh, aerial and my friend was steampunk Alice. Wow. And my other one was, I did Raven from Teen Titans. Oh, very cool. That was my best one, I think. I made the Funny. cape and everything. I'm really proud. <laughs> well, with that, I am going to draw this exam to a close. You're like, with the cosplay talk. Oh, we're talking about cosplay and anime. Let's, Let's stop. stop it. Let's stop that. Um, let the time's time. up. You may put your pencils down or I suppose probably a pen. A pen. Um, oh, I have a accommodation. I get a laptop. Oh, you got a laptop? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you can shut your laptops. <laughs> um, uh, this exam is now over. Kate, How do can I do? you give me your thesis statement to... I just put my laptop away. I do need the question. Hold on. <laughs> uh, Kate, can you give me your thesis statement to the question? Mm-hmm. Quote, television is a form of entertainment which permits millions of people to listen to the same joke at the same time and yet remain lonesome. T.S. Eliot. Are social media any better hmm. i'm going to try and be concise go ahead which i've never been in my life but <laughs> i think social media has allowed for people to branch out their definition of community and i think community and and i'm using community as another way to as a differentiate from lo- lonesomeness right mm-hmm. I don't know what the actual opposite word would be. Is there an opposite word for lonesomeness or loneliness? Lonely. Companionship? Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, social media has broadened people's definition of community, companionship, and interaction. Um, and I think it should not be looked down upon. I think it is a valid form of... Um, interacting with the world around you and interacting with people that aren't around you or can't be around you. Yeah. Um, I think it has made the world in ways more connected than ever um, because we get to see what, you know, with TikTok, what strangers are doing, what's happening in this town, in this random space. Um, but also it can feel like we're also very far apart from each other. Yeah. Because you are feel like you maybe are watching a world that you're not a part of. Um, so I think it's this double-edged sword. Uh, and I think there's also this innate craving for in-person physical interaction that we have seen with, you know, people loving to go to conventions or when internet friends want to meet up in person. There's something so exciting about that. You see those videos of people, like, running at each other in the airport. Mm. So... If T.S. Eliot saw television as a moment of community, but inherently lonesome, I think that social media is a moment of community, but is not inherently lonesome. I think it can cause loneliness, but I think, and it, yeah, but I don't think it's inherently lonesome. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to have a stronger mm, thesis. No, that was that was a really great one. I feel like you really summed it up oh really God, well. Thank you. <laughs> so, oh. Can this happen in every exam? Like I say my thesis and someone's like, no, you did a really good job. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kate, 
Yes. Thank you for taking Thank you. this exam. We have reviewed your application. Mm, the we one have, page. <laughs> we have scrutinized it. Mm. And we have decided to welcome you oh into gosh. the hallowed halls of the exam hall. I don't know why oh this God. turned into a Broadway musical. I, I need to call my mom. <laughs> She's going to be so welcome. proud. How does it feel? It feels amazing. Oh it feels God. like, do you like musicals? I do. You know Legally Blonde the musical? Yeah. You know when she sees her name up there in black and white? Yes. And she goes, oh my God, you guys. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I'm feeling. Absolutely. Yeah, I just I break out into song. <laughs> <laughs> I am thrilled to welcome you. Oh, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to accept your application. Oh, yay. Now, mm-hmm. if you are lucky enough to be an appointed fellow to All Souls mm-hmm. in Oxford, you are given funding for a seven-year period to fund wow. any research project of your choice. Mm. You are given free board. Ooh. You are given a salary. Ooh. You are given access to study any subject that you want at Oxford. Mm-hmm. And you are given contacts of leading professionals and experts in your area. Mm. So, Kate, my question to you... Yeah. If you had these seven years, what would you do with that time? I think, you know, I'm going to kind of, I probably want to look into fandom. And again, kind of this idea of what is it and why is it and the phenomena that it is. And because we've had fandom for such a long time, I think Beatlemania, right? And even Mm. before that. And and like, um. The Sherlock Holmes, off Conan Doyle's, yeah. the Sherlock Holmes fans, that's a sign of a very sort of like, kind of that Beatlemania, right? Beatlemania craze around oh, Sherlock Holmes. Around Sherlock Holmes. And then also like before the internet, you have like the Star Trek fandom and yeah. how they would interact with um, magazines, right? And yeah. fan magazines. And you also have the Doctor Who magazine that was yeah. a huge thing. And the fan clubs. It's been around for such a long time. But I think it's also shifted because of the internet. And I think it's fascinating to see how again people are curating these communities and we were talking about how it's um we have this like innate need maybe want for these communities and how people are if they can't get them in their town they make them online because there's something they want to talk about and they're really passionate about star wars and they need to talk to someone about star wars and maybe it's they need to talk about their theories their breakdowns their analysis or maybe they just really like the music and the movie and they want to talk about how cool it is, right? Hell yeah. And so I think that's really fascinating. And I'm also really fascinated about how um, fandom is this space for, I find it filled mostly with a lot of AFAB or young women. Mm. And I think it's fascinating that there's a kind of this like community of these people that are creating things And we were talking about this kind of earlier, this idea of like some fandom, some aspects of fandom are capitalist, right? You're making keychains and sweatshirts and, you know, you're going to conventions and so you're spending money and people are making money, right? But then there's also a lot of parts of fandom that are just labors of love. So some fan art, right? People just draw it because they want to draw something and they want other people who enjoy this particular thing to also 
enjoy it yeah right because I think sometimes people obviously when you paint something I can look at it and enjoy it but if you're painting two or a group of characters or you're painting a scene from a or you're doing like fan art or whatever that's very particular of them saying I know you enjoy this thing and I've created this thing for myself but also for you free of charge Mm. fanfic people write these sometimes breathtaking pieces of work. I think I'm going to verify this, but I mm-hmm. think the long, one of the longest pieces of known <laughs> fiction is yeah. like a Sonic fan fiction. So the longest I want to say is actually no longer Sonic. It is a fanfic of the TV show, The Loud House on Nickelodeon. And it's just like a gazillion words. What? Wait, hold on. <laughs> I don't know if that's the longest. I think that's the longest fanfic right now. I just, I haven't read it, but I know these It's So the long, so Mm -hmm. this is insane. Okay. For a very long period of time, Uh a chronicle of ancient sunlight written by Henry Williamson, published in 15 volumes between 1951 and 1969, was considered the longest novel in English. Uh And it was a Lord of the Rings fan fiction. (laughs) And it was 2.4 million words. Jeez Louise. However. However. Fanfiction.net. Uh-huh. Uh, the longest fanfiction on the site is The Loud House Revamped. Yep. An ongoing <laughs> crossover fanfiction of The Loud House, which has been over, which has been over 16,750,000 words long since around 2020. Yeah. Yeah, no, I found that, I thought that was so funny. I was like, The Loud House, really? This like- so, so, I mean, um, the longest known novel in yeah. English is a fan fiction. Yeah. And that is, that's 2.4 million words, which is absolutely wicked. Insane. Which is then just completely like surpassed by a Loud House, House fan, fan fiction. Fic. Yeah. So there's something really interesting about this, like this, this insane drive to mm-hmm. create yeah. work about a pre-existing thing just because you're passionate about it because you're passionate about it and also that and it's this idea of like you're not just making it for yourself too you're not just keeping it in a drive there's people that make all of this content for this community this sometimes very silly stuff like I think the loud house yeah. one's a bit silly and yeah. like that's part of it yeah and some really actually like breakdowns of the content that they're watching like really analytical stuff about trying to break down this content and grow it and it's all for free they can't make money off of it it's not possible and it's this idea of like this this people will create people will do labor Mm. for passion right and I think that's a very interesting um you know thing and I think a lot of um I think also I think fandom studies and kind of this idea of um pop culture is never is not taken as seriously as other things so I think that's why I would also want to look at it mm. um why do things become popular why are we obsessed with things why are things deemed popular but then also looked down upon um and I look at kind of like who are the tastemakers of the world and really it's um teenage girls uh they're looked down upon for their interests and then a few years later their interests are the most amazing mm. uh the cool thing the uh, revolutionary thing, and those girls were on it from day one. Yeah. Um, but because teenage girls are looked down upon, you can't like it when they like it. Mm. Yeah, it must be silly and frivolous. Yeah. But they know what they're talking about. Have there been any barriers 
that you face in education that you think could be removed by those seven years or is mm. there anything that what sort of barriers did you face over your time in education yeah that would be aided by having sort of all this funding and time yeah. and support I think having the the ability to uh talk to experts right and having that ability to like really like get conversations from people because mm. I do better with um learning from someone's mouth than I do reading something and um, and so like so growing up in school I uh was kind of like doing fine but not really and it wasn't until I was in I think everyone knew, but I didn't, I didn't leave public school until I was 10 and I went to a dyslexic school and this school was absolutely amazing. I'm so privileged to be able to go to this school because they had the resources to help me, um, and find a way to get me not only to be able to read and write like my peers, but ahead of them. Yeah. Um, something that people at my old school didn't think was going to be possible like even reading at their level or writing at their level or interacting with content. So I think um, looking at that and being able to know how I learn, right? So that school, that's what that school did for me. It taught me how I learn and I learned through conversation. I learned through interaction. Though I can read and now and though I can probably, you know, consume articles, I still very, find it very uh, not as useful to me as talking to an expert, talking to someone, getting there, you know, getting it from the, what's the word? Getting it from the horse's mouth? Or don't get yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, getting it from the horse's mouth. Getting it, yeah, getting it directly from the source. That's, that's an idiom. Yeah, that's I think, is it, or is it don't look a gift horse in the mouth? No, it's getting it, getting it from. And why would the... a horse be giving information? <laughs> what, are the, what is the horse giving you? How did this horse get in this hospital? <laughs> Whose horse is that? <laughs> oh yeah, a straight from the horse's mouth. Mm, mm-hmm. Why is what are we getting from this horse's mouth? Carrots? Well, I don't wouldn't want a carrot out of a horse's mouth. It'd be a sloppy. I'm telling you, as a reformed horse girl, those boys are chompers. Go <laughs> <laughs> bring that back up. <laughs> See, it's all related. It's all, it's all connected. It's all connected. We're piecing baby. it together. So, <laughs> being able to talk to experts, I think, would be really helpful. Um, I would also find that the extended amount of time would be nice because I would be able to get a lot of information. But I think also it would be nice to be able to not have such a short ticking time, mm. being able to take a break and pull back. Yeah. Because I think if people are studying or looking at something, you can become too ingrained in it, too tunnel visioned. And I think one of the most important parts of education is being um, exposed to multiple fields, multiple things. I think if you think, have a focus area, have something that you really enjoy. But I find that when you can go and bring something else from another field, you're opening twice as many doors when you enter a room because you go, oh, well, I know this about this thing that connected where is this connection coming from why is this similar and then I feel like you you can answer more questions you can find a more interesting path so mm-hmm. I think having those seven years would allow you to not speed one speed run two, take a break so you can do other things right mm-hmm. you can go and do something that's unrelated but 
it might not be unrelated. It might make you question something. Or you might have just enjoyed yourself and be, you know, rejuvenated to get back into working. Yeah, um, time is money. Time is money. And I think um, it would also help with, like, I think a lot of people get burned out now. And I think if you have seven years yeah. since a long time, um, being having that ability to pace yourself. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. And not just crunch until you collapse. Um, which I think mm. is this mentality in a lot of education. Um, just get through it. Just get through it. Just get past it. And then you can break down for a little bit and then you have to get back onto it. But why should my downtime be completely recuperating from being, you know, burned out? Right. It should be, you know, my downtime is enjoyed. It's uh, actually flourishing. Um, and then I can get back to work still. Exactly. Yeah. I, w- I mean, I would also need, uh, like I said, accommodation. So I'd need a, a computer. <laughs> <laughs> I think they could give you an, a computer. Yeah. They're giving you somewhere to live. I also they get, you I get time and a half. So do I get, <laughs> do I get uh, oh, three is- and a half years oh, on top wow. of my seven? That's such a, that's such a good question. Listen, my, my dyslexia accommodations mean you have to give me more time. So more time, please. More time and more money, please. Please. You can just put that right, right in my hand, please. <laughs> I'll take more money and more time. Yes, please. Yes, please. Um, oh, and then, and then um, it's not necessarily a, a, a difficulty that I had in school, but it's, I would say it's actually a, a, a privilege that I got is my school, when I went to dyslexic school, which I love saying, it's my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. I went to dyslexic school. <laughs> and is they really taught me how to say what I need. Oh, brilliant. And the, the, they were all about you saying what you need and why you need it and when you need it that's really important self-advocacy because I think a lot of people don't are too scared to do it I yeah I think even coming like not even thinking about like neurodiversity Mm -hmm. so many people don't know how to just say I need x and I think I think part of it is like when you're um you know raised as a woman there's a sense of Mm. like oh no I I I can't ask I've got to there's like this I've got to handle it myself yeah but I think then I, I worked in mm-hmm. SEN, in special educational needs. There's an extra layer with um, young people who struggle with communication. Yeah. And it's it's really important that, that self-advocacy and teaching young people yeah. across the board, especially uh, if they have special educational needs, mm-hmm. how to advocate for themselves. Yeah. And, and they were very clear about, look, you have, you know, gone through this program you uh, are able to, you know, read perfectly well. You're able to spell decently. Um, and you can do these things, but you need to be able to speak up for yourself because people aren't, not that they're not going to believe me, but they're not going to um, give them to me without asking. And I'm also going to have to fight for it. Yeah. And I think because I learned that at that school, I would really want to bring that into this because I'm getting these things from the fellowship, but I'm sure I'm going to have to try and be like, Hey, I need to talk to this person and I need to talk to them at this time. And, or I need, I need this right now. And being able to take advantage of the things that I've been given because I'm 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 curious about people that have done this and then have been too nervous to ask for something because they've already been given access to all these things but then asking for the thing yeah is difficult so I would hope that that would I mean I still find it hard I'm not like being able to walk in and be like I need this this and that but I know that when I need something yeah I've been taught to 
get it to get it or try my best at least yeah. and fight for it fight for it and fight for you know the things that i you know that i need Absolutely. and yeah and so i would think i would hope that would aid me actually well yeah. kate thank you <laughs> Well, thank so, you so much for being here. This has honestly been such me. a joy to have you on the podcast. Before we say goodbye, yep. is there anything you want to plug, promote, shout out? Any parting words of wisdom that you shall leave us with? Um, well, I'm not doing anything right now, so I have no, nothing to plug, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But thank you for the offer. You're welcome. Um, yeah, no, thank you for having me. It's been such oh. a lovely conversation. And any parting words? Hmm. 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 <laughs> tip your waiters be nice to vampires yeah and you know put on sunscreen so true yeah that's my party especially words. if you are a vampire especially okay. if you're a vampire and uh be careful around a horse's mouth i guess <laughs> <laughs> keep your hands away they, keep your they hands like away to bite. they like to bite yeah there's so many idioms with horse's mouth lead, can't lead, you can lead a horse to water you can't force Make, it to drink. drink don't look a gift horse in the mouth um straight from the horse's mouth yeah who was this talking horse <laughs> mr ed the <laughs> talking horse it's okay <laughs> <laughs> i just i just fully my eyes got really big and i tilted my head yeah. in confusion <laughs> yeah um i should pro- i'll probably cut this out but mr ed is like a really early american tv show that was like really famous How and it was I about mr this? ed called the talk it was mr ed the talking horse mr ed the Maybe. talking horse <laughs> Kate, thanks for being here today and talking thank about horses. Thank and you for having me. Let me talk about fandom and fanfic. My friends are going to hear this. They'll be like, of course, you started talking about anime. Like, what the, what the hell? I hope you have a lovely rest of your day. Oh, thank you. I'm going to get three more drinks. Yeah, yeah more drinks, more drinks. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode of The Exam Hall. If you enjoyed today's episode and you want to stay updated with The Exam Hall and maybe get some special behind the scenes, then you can follow us on social media at The Exam Hall Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And if you, for some reason, want to know what I'm up to, then you can follow me on social media at Cherry the Eckle. That is Cherry like the fruit. The, like the word the, and Eccle, not like the Lancashire pastry, but E-C-K-E-L. And you can also find me on YouTube at Cherry Eccle. Uh, if you listened to today's episode and you thought, hey, that sounds like a fun little conversation. I wish I could have a conversation like that. We don't need to wish. I am your fairy godmother and I am granting all of your Which is true. No, I'm your fairy pod mother. I am your fairy pod mother and I am granting all of your wishes come true. Come be a guest on the exam hall. Uh, You can click the link in the description of this uh, episode, which will take you to an expression of interest form. Or you can find us on social media and just send out a message. Um, Or if you know where I live, you can stand outside my house ominously for a few days and maybe eventually I'll let you in. A very special thank you to Boundless Theatre whose support made this podcast possible. Um, So I mean, depending on how you look at it, it could also be a curse uh, if you think this is a bad podcast. Please do share, uh, subscribe, rate the podcast, tell your friends about it if you liked it. Any support really, really 
goes a long way. Uh, thank you very, very much for listening to this episode of The Exam Hall. I will see you uh, next time with another episode in two weeks. I hope you have a lovely rest of your day and a lovely rest of your life. And I hope if it's not lovely right now, it gets better very, very soon. And I hope this podcast made it just a little bit better. I'll see you later. Bye-bye.